Welcome to the Hall of Gains and Hypertrophy podcast. This is Paul here today. Could be doing another solo session. Uh, unfortunately, Christoph is unable to make it. He is uh, extremely sick. So let's hope he gets a fast recovery from that and feels better soon. Um, but with that being said, going to be going into today's session. Wanted to talk about intensity versus volume. Uh, we've touched on it before. Um, but the reason I wanted to bring this up was because there is this... Uh, photo of I think a magazine article about Marcus rules total body shock workouts so I believe this is over the span of seven days um, and it was taken from a magazine I don't know if it was Muslim fitness or flex or anything along those lines but Marcus rule is known as being one of the biggest bodybuilders of all time not that he is the biggest but definitely up there um, let me look up his stats here so um, let me see. Maybe Wikipedia has some information. Yeah. So his weight during contest season. So during an actual contest, during an actual show, he's in the ballpark of 276 to 331 pounds on stage. That is just fucking absurd. And then off season, he's usually around 309 to 326 pounds off season. But the biggest thing is his height was five foot ten. So this dude was just absolutely massive, just insanely massive. He never really came in um, super diced or anything like that. He did compete in the Olympia for a number of different years. Um, from 01 to 09, he did not compete 07 and 08. But his best placing at the Olympia was fifth, which is still very impressive. Uh, even just stepping on the Mr. Olympia stage for, for men's open is extremely impressive. Uh, it's very, very hard to get there, and you have to be the best of the best. Um, even, I mean, even kind of today, it's kind of getting watered down today with the number of competitors in the Olympia, but, uh, it's still, uh, pretty up there as far as impressiveness goes. I mean, especially in his day and age, I mean, he, he, we're looking at like he was competing against Ronnie Coleman in 2000, 2001, uh, 2002, 2004. He didn't compete in 2003's Mr. Olympia, but, um, he did focus on the Arnold classic where he got third. Uh, so that was a pretty good placing for Arnold Classic, which is also a very hard show to get into, let alone um, place top three. So with that being said, he never came in super diced or anything like that. He His conditioning wasn't the absolute best, and dude was just absolutely massive. Um, so with that being said, I want to talk about what this total body shock workout is. So it's seven days. Um, I would assume it's seven days. There's no way in hell he's doing this in one day. Uh, and... So he's focusing on different muscle group for each day. So it'll be chest, shoulders, back, biceps, triceps, legs, and calves. Um, this kind of sc split you don't necessarily see that often. Uh, simply you see um, back or biceps and triceps either together for an arm day, or you see biceps combined with back day and then triceps combined with chest day. So you don't necessarily see biceps and triceps on separate days, but this isn't something that he was doing all the time. This is a full, full total body shock workout. Uh, so with that being said, his first day, which I would assume is Sundays, typically workout splits start on Sundays, maybe Mondays, chest day, flat bench presses, 10 to 12 sets of three to four reps. I'm sorry. What? He's a bodybuilder. He's lifting like he's a power lifter almost, or like a strongman competitor. Dude is benching 12 sets for three to four reps. Not that many, you know, overall reps. You know, that's granted at most 48 reps, which is give or take about what most people rep out in three or four sets. But at the same time, he's probably pushing maybe like, my guess is maybe 85 to like 95, maybe 85 to 90% of his one rep max. Uh, in that ballpark to get three or four reps, which is just absurd. And these are straight sets here. So he's not just going, you know, first set isn't 10 reps, and then he's working his way down to three to four. Every set is three to four reps. Um, as far as how much rest there is between each set, hard to say. Um, but it that's still insane. And then going into incline bar barbell presses, six to eight sets of six to eight reps. So he's getting anywhere from 36 to 64 reps. So generally more than the flat bench but in less sets and more reps per set again none of this talks about rest so i'm not even going to talk about rest i can't begin to um guess what his rest 
period is. I would assume that the first sets, the flat bench presses, he's going to have longer rests between each set so that he can keep that three to four rep range. But then going into incline barbell presses, I mean, it could be anything from, my guess is maybe 30 seconds to two minutes. I mean, anything in that ballpark, you could probably keep a consistent six to eight reps for six to eight sets. But hard to say. I mean, I don't even want to say that that could be even that accurate. My, that's just my guess. And then following that is flat dumbbell presses, five sets of six to eight reps. That's relatively normal that you'd see. Um, that's, that's pretty consistent with anybody who's training um, very high intensity. And then dips for the final movement of the day, which is three sets of eight to 12 reps, which is very common. Um, I mean, I do three sets of eight to 12 reps on a lot of my relatively high intensity um, workouts or movements at least. So one thing I did notice about this is there's no chest flies, which is interesting. But if you're going to go for uh, very high intensity movements, chest flies is not the way to go. Chest flies is very high volume. So typically you don't see flies even in the program for a lot of uh for a lot of bodybuilders or i mean powerlifters in that sense i mean strongmen can do it a little bit they mo focus more on um they focus more on higher intensity because that's what they need to go with but also endurance at the same time but powerlifters and olympic athletes are going to be talking about uh, mainly high intensity you know lower reps higher weight stuff like that um where volume is higher reps lower weight and the best way to look at it to to know the difference between, between each if you get confused um the way i look at it is volume is the amount of something right so when i'm talking about volume of water in a glass it's the the amount of the water in the glass so when you go higher volume that's higher amount of what weight higher amount of weight 20 reps of 100 pounds is higher volume than 10 reps of 70 or of 150 pounds. You're going to actually lift more weight in the end. Uh, so that's the, that's how I differentiate the high intensity versus high volume. Um, so with that being said, most of this we're talking about with Marcus Rule's movements, a lot of it, I would say, is very, very high intensity, um, almost inspired by like Dorian Yates style training. Ronnie Coleman is known for very high intensity movements. I mean, his most like uh, viral video or, you know, everybody associates Ronnie with the 800 pound squat. Um, and that's just extremely high intensity because he got uh, two reps out of it. I believe it was. Um, he said he could have gotten two more, but he stopped at two. And um, that's just how he trained, which is extremely high intensity. Granted, he was also strong as shit. So high intensity for him sometimes reached into... 10 reps, you know, I mean, he was pressing a couple thousand pounds in leg press. How the hell leg press held that without collapsing under itself? I have no idea. But moving on to shoulders. So this is this is the interesting one to me. Shoulders is very interesting. The rest of it, I can generally understand. Biceps, I don't really understand why the hell he's doing it the way he is. I can understand legs, which we'll, we'll be getting into all this later on. But shoulders, behind the neck presses, eight sets of three to 15 reps. I mean, behind the neck presses, you don't really see anymore. Um, they're not very good for your joints. They're not very good ergonomically for your body, which is what we talked about last week. Uh, ergonomics and anatomy, not very good. You're not supposed to press weight behind your head. That's not supposed to happen. Uh, it's not how we're built. You're supposed to lift it behind your head, just like a squat. That's supposed to happen in anatomy wise, but behind the neck presses is not supposed to happen. So it's interesting that his body agrees with it, but eight sets of three to 15 reps is pretty insane. I would assume that the first set is uh, 15 reps, probably not till failure. And then everything else is just till failure, anywhere from three to 15 reps. Machine presses, which I would assume is just shoulder presses, 10 to 12 sets of three to 15 reps. That's just insanely high. That's the amount of reps in there is just absurd. Um, I mean, that's more than what most people do most of their workouts. So. That's, that's very, very impressive. Um, dumbbell laterals, um, bent dumbbell laterals. So rear delt focus right there. Dumbbell shrugs and machine shrugs are all so, okay. So the laterals, dumbbell laterals and bent dumbbell laterals. So focusing on the side lateral delt and then also the rear delt, it, they're both three sets of 10 to 15 reps. Very standard, very standard in shoulders. You want to go higher volume in shoulders and pump as much blood into them as, as you can 
which is very interesting why he gets down to three reps for shoulders. It's not the way his shoulders are built. Smaller muscle groups generally respond much better. Uh, scientifically, even, um, they generally respond much better to higher intensity. Um, sorry, high var- higher volume uh, for more blood flow. Uh, you want to get as much blood flow in there as you can. Um, and then going into shrugs, dumbbell and machine shrugs is uh, three and three sets, 10 to 12 reps. So um, pretty standard there. Not necessarily standard for shrugs, but pretty standard for, for most movements. Uh, for shrugs, I also argue higher volume depending on what part of the uh, traps you're going to be focusing on. If you're focusing on the top part of the traps, um, definitely higher volume in my opinion. Um, keep a consistent rep timing. But if you're going to be focusing on the rear side of the traps, kind of between your shoulder blades, then um, I would argue less reps, but slower movements. Uh, but that's a whole nother conversation. Now going into back, barbell rows, 10 to 12 sets of three to 12 reps. That's insane. I mean, I'm toast for barbell reps after four sets of like eight to 12. I'm toast. Um, they just absolutely deplete me. That's why I don't necessarily do a lot of barbell reps because it just, it takes every muscle in your, every muscle in your body to really lift that weight. Um, obviously focusing on the back for the actual movement, but you're using your core for stability, you're using your legs for stability, you're using your, your shoulders for, for joint movement, you're using your biceps to stable the bar under you. It's, you're using a little bit of everything, um, your lower back to stabilize you. You're using a little bit of everything. So this is just insane that he did that many sets. Um, so three to 12 reps. I mean, that's anywhere from 36 to 144 reps granted, um, he's not gonna be doing 144 reps of it. There's no way in hell he's doing 12 sets of 12 reps. That's why it says three to 12, but he's probably, I would say he's probably approaching 80 to hundred reps right there. Um, pulley rows, uh, which is just cable rows, six to eight sets of six to eight reps. That's something that you see a lot, but that's still a lot of a sets, um, for, for cable rows, T bar rows, five sets of six to eight reps. I would go higher reps, but this is also his total sh- total body shock movement workout. Wide grip chin-ups. Um, so I would imagine they would just mean essentially like lat pull-ups essentially because wide grip chins, I always assume a chin-up is focused on biceps where a pull-up is focused on back. Yes. Okay. So I was, I was correct. So chin up is with your hands facing towards you a pull up is with your hands facing away from you um so i've always assumed i've i've always associated chin ups more focusing on biceps because that's what most people end up doing you can focus on your lats um in in doing that so he could have just been focusing on his lats but with a wider grip so that would also incorporate the terrace major and minor in there as well i would assume um Granted, I'm not, I haven't seen any video footage of these movements, but then going into hammer strength machine rows, uh, which I would assume is the, the multi-gripped hammer strength machine you sit in, um, and you're pulling the weight kind of parallel to the ground or pulling the bar, at least parallel to the ground. The weight moves against the gravity. Obviously you want it to move against gravity, but, um, that's what I would assume he's using. And with that being said, I think he would be using the parallel grips unless, T-bar rows kind of takes up for that. So it's hard to say. This just says hammer strength machine rows. Four sets of 10 to 12 reps. Very standard. That's something you see a lot. It, it seems that a lot of his days, for the most part, um, the last movement for the day is pretty standard as far as rep sets goes for scientifically backed um, high intensity or higher volume. So four, to, four sets of 10 to 12 reps for your lats is very common. Um, I mean, I even do four sets of eight to 12 reps most of the time for my back. So, uh, moving on to biceps, this is where it gets insane. Like, I don't know how the hell this dude can just keep doing this. So barbell rep, barbell curls, he, um, he did 12 sets of four to 30 reps. Excuse me, sir. Can you not like take all of the muscle gains for the day from the gym? Like anybody who walks into the gym when he's doing biceps, all of the hypertrophy and all the muscle gain is just sucked and absorbed by him. There's just 
there's just no way. All the energy too. You walk in, all of a sudden your pre-workout's gone because it's just going into his body. It's just, it's like he's like a black hole of energy and muscle gain. It's absurd. Four to thirty reps of twelve sets uh, of barbell curls. I can't even begin to fathom the amount of pump and blood he's flowing into his biceps. That's fucking insane. And then going into dumbbell curls, eight sets of six to twenty reps. Also absurd. Also absurd. And then going into dumbbell preacher curls, which fucking nobody does anymore. People will do spider curls, uh, which is single arm preacher curls, but nobody fucking does dumbbell preacher curls anymore. Um, at least that I've seen. I don't see anybody doing it anymore. It's typically bar. I mean, I, I stray away from free weight preacher curls just because it's not good for your elbows. But um, that being said, eight sets of six to 20 reps for that as well. Just absurd. The amount of the amount of weight this this guy's pulling with his arms that day is just insane. Triceps, very standard day for the most part. Um, seated overhead extensions. I would assume he's using um, a dumbbell there. Um, eight sets of four to fifteen reps, pretty standard. I mean, I, you don't really see down to four reps. You usually, see eight to fifteen and something like that. Um, but still, eight sets is a shit ton. Line tricep extensions. Again, I think that's probably just skull crushers. Um, the wordage is a little bit different than it is today because this is probably written 15 plus years ago uh, in this magazine. So the wording for these movements is very different. And then also the machinery is very different. 15 years ago, machinery is probably not legal now today's. So, I mean, I mean, the further back you go, the less legal shit is. So, I mean, you, you go to any gym that has equipment from the 90s, none of that shit's legal. Like it's fucking insane. It's just because somebody gets hurt on it. And then all of a sudden you can't use it anymore. Um, with that being said, line tricep extensions, eight sets, four to 15 reps, shit ton of sets, pretty standard rep range, uh, press downs, five sets of 10 to 12 reps, um, press downs. I would imagine it's just like machine dips. Um, I wouldn't necessarily call it press downs. That's, I mean, I, I get it. It could also call for like a straight bar, cable pushdown kind of um jay cutler kind of attributes um this movement to his tricep building so it's essentially like a dip but with a cable straight bar you pull the weight under your chest you lean over to where your head is almost touching the plates of the cable and the cable's kind of going past your neck and then you just kind of press down so it could be that um five sets of 10 to 12 reps very standard you see a lot of that in a lot of tricep movements, 10 to 12 reps, 10 to 15 reps. I also argue higher intensity. So I mean, even down to 10 reps isn't necessarily the best. Um, I'll tax my biceps out on a preacher machine at the end of the day with like eight to 12 reps. But um, typically I go much higher than that. Uh, dumbbell kickbacks, five sets of six to eight reps. Uh, very heavy dumbbell kickbacks in that sense. Um, but knowing the movements that a lot of guys back then were doing, he had to probably use a shit ton of weight. I'm probably talking like 100 plus pound dumbbells for something like this because they did a lot of swinging back then. Um, you know, watch a lot of like older content for bodybuilding and you're going to see a lot less um, slower movements, a lot less negative focus and a lot more positive focus, very explosive workouts. Um, and so that's what I would assume. Again, I haven't seen video footage of this. Um, now going into legs, this is the one that makes me want to throw up just looking at, um, squats, 10 to 12 sets of three to 30 reps. Fucker stop. Like, dude, this is like, you're already big enough. How much bigger do you need to get? Again, he's not doing this all the time. This is like for like probably one week, but 10 to 12 sets of three to 30 reps. Just cut it out, dude. Stop. That's just insane. Like I can even like, even just going through, I just did five sets of squats the other day and fucking threw up from it, let alone 10 to 12 sets of three to 30 reps. I mean, that just sounds absolutely fucking awful. That sounds like actual hell. Um, leg presses, six to eight sets of six to 20 reps, pretty standard rep range. Um, just a lot of sets. I mean, whenever I do leg press, it's like eight to 20 reps. 20 being like my warm up, and then I probably do about five sets, five to six sets, maybe depending on whether or not I do a drop set. So, I mean, that's pretty standard. Um, I wouldn't say get down to six reps 
that's kind of dangerous on knees, especially for anybody who's beginners to even intermediates. Um, that's pretty low rep amount. Um, leg extensions, six to eight sets of six to 20 reps. Pretty standard. Still a lot of sets. A lot, a lot of sets. Uh, six to 20 reps is a pretty standard rep range, but crazy amount of sets. Stiff leg deadlifts, um, which focus on, I always get them mixed up. I want to say it focuses on glutes. Um, stiff leg deadlifts. Yes, they focus on glutes um, and hamstrings. So heavy, heavy focus on hamstrings, heavy focus on glutes. Um, rear deadlifts or Romanian deadlifts are going to be focusing more so on your hamstrings where stiff legs are going to be more so on your glutes. So going into stiff leg deadlifts, he's doing six to eight sets of 10 to 12 reps. It's a lot of sets, standard rep range, especially for deadlifts. That's pretty standard. Um, a lot of sets. And the final one is 10 to 12 sets of six to 12 reps of leg curls. Um, just absolutely taxing the fuck out of his hamstrings at the end. So he does essentially glutes. Most likely the leg presses could be either a little bit of everything or quad focused leg presses, leg extensions, quads, then back to glutes, then hamstrings. So he, he hits each muscle group technically twice besides hamstrings. We hit it once. Um, so, I mean, you don't see that split. Typically you see less of a focus on glutes, especially in bodybuilding with anabolics. Uh, if you're glute pinning, you're going to see a lot more glute gains as far as uh, hypertrophy goes and muscle size goes. You're going to see a lot more because you're pinning specifically in your glutes. A lot of guys um, also build glutes very easily. Um, I believe I'm one of those people. I get compliments on my butt which is kind of funny. Um, my training partner, Chewy, if you're listening to this, he, he doesn't even really hit glutes at all just because he has too much of it. It's He builds it too easy. Um, I'm the same way with calves. I don't hit calves at all. Calves just naturally build from everything else for me. Um, but speaking of calves, actually, his final day, which I would assume is Saturday, is calves. Um, it's cut off, but I think that three movements for calves is plenty. Um, so he does a very standard calf day, actually standing calf raises five to 12, five sets of 12 to 15 reps, seated calf raises, five sets of 12 to 15 reps and donkey calf raises of five sets of 12 to 15 reps. Donkey calf raises fucking suck in a good way. They burn like a motherfucker. And if you want to, if you can't build calves, First of all, calves, you need to pump as much blood into as possible. Stop at the heavyweight bullshit. If your calves are non-existent and you're putting a lot of weight on there, you're not doing yourself any favors. Whenever I put weight on there, you know, I think that I have calves for the most part, especially for someone who doesn't really train them. If I train them, they've gotten unproportionate. They have been in the past. Um, so... When I train them, which is very seldom, once every few months maybe, um, I do very low weight. Seated calf raises, I'll maybe go max like a plate for both my calves. I see dudes who don't have calves pressing over two plates, and you're just not doing yourself any favors. Just go low weight, high rep, slow reps, uh, and just go from the very bottom that your Achilles tendon can stretch to the very top that your calves can press the entire way. You don't want to hurt the ligaments within your feet itself in your arch. If you're flat footed, I'm sorry, but if in your arch, don't, you don't want to hurt those. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt, go easy on those. Um, and then just do as much burn as possible. That's how you do calves and donkey calf braces are the arguably the best way of doing that. Donkey calf braces suck so much ass, but not every gym has donkey calf raise machine or anything along those lines. Um, so as far as actually building those without a machine, um, you can just grab any sort of platform and then something to just stabilize your body. Uh, uh, so leaning over and using this, you know, a uh, squat rack or a bench or, or dumbbell rack, whatever the hell you want to use and lean your feet or your heels off that platform that you're standing on and then just press that way. Um, if you have like a belt 
like um a belt or a belted squat machine grab the belt from that and then put some weight on it um wrap it with some weight and put that weight between your legs so that way you're it's pulling down kind of like on your lower back um that's got that, that's donkey calf raises is they suck so much ass but if you have a machine please use that if you don't have calves and you have a donkey calf raise machine please use that machine it is so good it sucks so much ass but it's so good for calf building um but ultimately that that wraps up the marcus rules total body shock workout movements um for seven days um it's kind of going viral within the bodybuilding community right now because that's just absurd um one of the bodybuilding groups i'm in on facebook shared it and it just sparked a lot of conversation um so it's it's very interesting to see that but with that being said it, it does talk about intensity versus volume um intensity versus volume is one of the most talked about um training concepts within bodybuilding and powerlifting and all of that um typically you see either or you don't see a lot of combination um for bat for overall movements and let's say muscle groups you're not going to see people training high intensity and high volume on back at the same day you got to go either or in my opinion um it's either you're going to be taxing out as much weight and as much volume as you can and just getting as much blood flow in your back as possible or you're going to go for as much strength as possible and just absolutely destroy your overall strength for the day just by going higher intensity um six to eight reps probably uh, and then just doing longer rest in between hypertrophy typically calls for higher volume with less rest. So high weight, less rest. I think that for me back isn't, is a good, um, middle ground for that. So eight to 12 reps with about 30 seconds to a minute rest, depending on the movement. If I'm doing something like deadlifts or back pulls, which I argue you shouldn't do deadlifts, excuse me. Um, you should do rack pulls instead. Um, that something like that would call for a longer rest, maybe 90 seconds, just because it's such a heavy movement and it takes a lot out of your entire system. But something like cable pull downs or just machine rows, something like that, 30 seconds to 60 seconds for a rest is good. And then eight to 12 reps. Your back in particular is a good topic for this because it's such a large muscle group. I've seen people going both ways with it. Uh, I've gone high, high volume and I just feel for me, I don't get as much out of it as I could. Um, I've gone as hard as I can, tons of movements, little to no rest, and uh, tons of uh, reps. And it just, for me, it doesn't tax my back as much as 8 to 12 reps does uh, because your back is such a large muscle group. It should be really shocked in that sense. You should be putting a lot of weight on there. Um, but then moving into something like shoulders, typically it's the opposite. You see, for a lot of guys, talk to any guy, in bodybuilding uh my coach talks he preaches very very high volume there's as much fucking blood in your shoulders as possible anybody who watches more plates more dates will know that recently well if you really watch him you'll know recently he talked about how to get his death star delts that everybody calls them death star delts um dude's delts in his videos are insane um he said that he really started growing um his shoulders when he did a lot of side lateral raises um, with a lot of reps. So just high, high volume on side lateral raises and just doing probably like a big drop set. Uh, I feel like if you really wanted to grow your delts, your side delts in particular, uh, you're going to want to do almost like a pyramid set. I feel like a pyramid set of side lateral dumbbell raises, just, just fucking next level pump. And you don't want to necessarily change the chase the pump, but you want to get as much blood flow in there. You want to get it as tired as possible and then also heavy focus on front delts as well front delts can go either either here nor there as far as intensity or volume for me i go higher intensity for front delts uh it just agrees with me more so i'll do a lot of cable movements with it with lower lower reps but higher weight you know maybe for 50 pound cable front delt raises with the just the grabbing the ball and the cable machine and just raising it from there and it just really agrees with me um and then rear delt I almost never train. I naturally have decent rear delts, so I never really train it that much. But when I do, it's higher higher volume. Um, whether that's face pulls on the cable machine or bent over dumbbell uh, races or um, like a machine, 
bent over raise or lateral raise. Um, the new machine at Gold's is phenomenal for that. The Gym 80 machine is great for that. I love that machine. Um, or you can do like a chest fly machine, um, sitting backwards on it, and that'd be your rear delt flies. Um, any one of those. But high intensity, high volume is going to be extremely uh, anecdotal in that sense. So there is science backing different logics behind it. So let's say for high volume, um, high volume is, like I said, what most people go for for hypertrophy. Um, is what you'll see a lot more of talked about. Um, and there's, there's a lot of evidence supporting it. So um, you, you look up different studies and all of that. Uh, you're going to see a lot of difference in results uh, for how impressed or how good high volume can be. Um, you don't want to, I mean, don't do any like bro split bullshit. Um, like just insane, ridiculous shit. Like the Marcus rule uh, shock. Like, don't do that. That, I mean, maybe once a week or uh, once every in a while and for a week, but you're also going to take into account someone like Marcus rule um, or someone like Dorian Yates or Ronnie Coleman. They're also on grams of gear and, Oh, Ronnie's like, oh, I didn't really take that much. He took a lot of shit. Um, it might not be to the degree that it is today as far as technology goes and transparency because back then there wasn't really any social media. So the only people you talk about it to would be like magazine articles and stuff like that. So you didn't want to get it out, getting it out as much as possible because you can't really back yourself up. In social media nowadays, it's so much easier to talk about it because you can directly answer questions and directly post to your social media and people will follow you. Uh, and want to hear more about what you, how it, how it works for you. Um, so with that being said, take into account that Marcus rule was on grams of shit. He had to have been to be that large and to get stage ready and compete at the Olympia level. He had to have been taking grams of shit. Um, so with that being said, um, going into studies. So there is, uh, quite a bit of studies done over the years. Um, weightology.net has a good analysis of different studies. Uh, the article writer, which let me see if I can find his name. Um, it might have been a team of people. I'm not sure. Yeah. It looks like a team of people, um, did multiple studies, uh, multiple meta analysis over the years. So eight studies in 2010, and then I think it was 12 studies in 2016. So with that being said, uh, there's quite a bit of evidence that supports higher volume. Um, so as far as hypertrophy, actual results, four to six sets had a much overall average gain in, in muscle size. Um, than it did for just one set or two to three sets. And they're, granted, there's going to be some outliers. Uh, you're going to have some outliers that um, stick out with one set or stick out with two to three sets. But as overall, four to six sets had the most amount of weight or most amount of results. Um, so to talk further into it, um, let me see here. Let me find. So there's a lot of statistical wordage in this um, article here. So, um, so if you did 16 weekly sets compared to six weekly sets of a muscle group, like three sets per muscle group twice per week is what it's saying. The effect size would be higher by 0.27 and the percentage gain would be higher by 3.8% points, percentage points. So overall, you're going to get an 8.8% improvement in muscle size versus a 5% improvement. So you're going to get a 3.8% more improvement by doing um, 16 weekly sets, eight sets per muscle group twice per week, or compared to, so compared to six weekly sets. So um, we're talking about just overall sets. So if you're talking about chest and you're doing, let's say three movements, that's two sets per movement, which really is that many. But if we're talking about like powerlifters here, excuse me. Yawning a lot today. Damn, I got some more sleep. So, uh, if we're talking about like powerlifters, six sets for deadlifts is a decent amount. I mean, you know, moving up from seventy percent, um, one rep max all the way up to ninety five, 
that's pretty standard. But if we're talking about hypertrophy, you're going to see the 16 weekly sets a lot more common. So higher volume in more sets really does show um, results and it shows in 3.8% more muscle gain, which is a drastic amount. I mean, we're talking um, pounds and pounds of muscle gain. So let's say over the span of a year, let's say you're gaining five pounds of muscle from um, doing six sets per week for a muscle group, you're then going to actually gain 8.8 pounds after a year, which if you know how much pound goes into muscle gain, that's an absurd more amount. You're it's almost it almost looks like double, uh, especially depending on the muscle group you're focusing on for that year. You know, if you have like improvements that you need to make, because in the off season for a lot of bodybuilders, they have a muscle group they need to improve, whether that's back, chest, or arms, anything along those lines. So if they have a particular uh, focus, then you're going to see a drastic change in that 3.8 pounds, and so it's it's vital to hit all of those extra sets. Um, so with that being said. We also saw a large increase overall in difference between um, five to nine weekly sets per muscle group and then 10 plus weekly sets per muscle group. Um, and that difference is 10.3% change in muscle size versus 5.6%. So five to nine is a larger range, but 10 plus is also a much larger range. So if you're doing more than 10, statistically speaking, you're going to be gaining more muscle than five to nine. Granted, you should be doing more than that. You should be doing more than 10. Uh, for most muscle groups, doing at least four to five movements at minimum per muscle group. Granted, arms, I do three on each side, but that's still six for the day. Uh, and then from there, doing at least three to maybe four or five sets per movement. So that's anywhere from 15 to 25 sets for the day. Uh, that's typically what we end up seeing for a lot of bodybuilders and hypertrophy. So the overall effect size difference between the three, you're going to get a 60%, the 60% of your effect size. So effect size out of a hundred percent is, um, overall how much this study analyzed. So if you're getting a hundred people, uh, the most effect as far as building is 60% of those people as your effect size. So 10.3 is about 60% of the effect size for the entire group of people uh, because 5.5 and 5.6 are 0.29 or 29% and 31% respectively. So you're going to almost nearly double your muscle size if you go for more, more weekly sets per muscle group. Uh, so if you're doing chest and you hit chest once a week, you do five movements and you do four sets each, that's 20 sets. So you're set there. Um, whether or not you want to count a warm up set as a set, I count it as a set, not in my logbook, but overall sets, I count it as a set. If I'm doing four working sets in my logbook in a warm up set, I would say that that's technically five sets because you're doing a warm up set that you not normally would do in the wild. You know what I mean? You're not out, you know, if you do a warm up set of push ups, you're still doing push ups. It's better than nothing. So moving on. If you want to look at it in a broader sense, nine plus weekly sets, you're going to get 8.2 pounds of, or 8.2% uh, muscle change in the muscle size versus 5.8%. So it's just a drastic difference. So here is where the volume clearly has shown to have worked well. Um, this is the 2010 study we're talking about here. Um, everything's very different in 2010. So Oh, actually, take that back. So the 10.3 pounds percent change versus 5.6% is actually 2016. Okay, here we go. Perfect. So 2010 actually showed less gains for the sets versus 2016. So 2016 times are also very different than they are now. You're going to see a lot difference in supplements. You can see difference in uh, machinery, uh, stuff like that. You're going to see a difference in bro science. So there's a lot more bro science now in social media. Um, bro science just being anecdotal entirely and all these fucking ginormous bodybuilder meatheads who don't know what the hell works for them because everything works for them is what they say works. Um, that's bro science for you. Don't listen to that shit. Bro science is dumb. And bro science will also tell you to take five, like just insane amount of D ball with your, t with your test and, Oh, you're going to gain some water weight, but don't worry about it. Fucking retarded. Or like do like a DECA based cycle. Stupid. But 
That's bro science for you. Don't listen to it. Um, look up actual studies. Um, talk to people who really know what the hell they're talking about. Um, and not just the biggest dude in the gym. Um, so with con- continuing into overall contractions, so you're going to see there is depreciating amounts. So they, they tested this on um, muscle protein synthesis relative to training volume in rodents. So contractions are essentially reps for these rodents. I don't know how the hell they're getting ro- rodents to bench press. That's <laughs> beyond me. I don't know what the hell they're training rodents and doing. But I mean, I figured they could just walk around and eat. I have no idea how the hell they're training or doing any sort of contractions with specific muscle groups. This is fucking beyond me. But um, so they saw the greatest change from zero to 10 reps. That's the greatest change. It went from um, 0% increase in muscle protein synthesis to 125-ish. Um, it's a pretty small graph, so you can't tell per- perfect percent, but around 125% muscle gain or muscle protein synthesis. But then it kind of actually slowly falls off after 10 reps. Um, down to 20, 20 reps is the lowest on this graph, which you shouldn't be doing more than 20 reps really for most movements. That That's just anything more than that is just way too much, um, which gets to about, 105% protein synthesis. So what this is saying is when you're going higher volumes, um, 10 reps, according to this, is the happy place to be. Uh, you know, necess- not necessarily doing that for every single set, but as far as protein synthesis increases, 10 reps is the ideal spot to be before you start getting diminishing returns. So you're still gaining protein synthesis by going to 20 reps. You're just gaining less of it. Um, so you're going to get a slight regression towards the end because you're just uh, taxing your muscles out a little bit too much, according to this. Um, so 10 reps is that happy spot, and which also kind of supports Jay Cutler's training style. Jay Cutler really promoted a lot of straight sets. So that'd be like three sets of 10. That's a lot of – I mean, that's how I got into the gym. When I got into the gym originally before doing – body beast at home and really training with a coach before that I always thought three sets of 10, three sets of 10 for everything was ideal. And I think that kind of stemmed from what I was taught from people around me. And I think they got influence from Jay Cutler in that sense, because Jay Cutler, that's how he did it was three or four sets for 10 reps each. And I think that's why it worked so well for him. Essentially it, according to this study, it's supposed to work the best at 10 reps, anything past that you're kind of wasting your time in a sense. Um, so it does kind of support that training style. Um, but we're also talking about rats here who, um, I mean, there's no way we can really base human results off of rats results. It would give us a general idea, but there's no way you can talk about bodybuilders prepping for a show to rats who don't like, I can't even believe I'm saying this, but who don't train for bodybuilding shows. Like you can't, you can't compare it. Really, I mean, you can get a general idea, like I said, but at the end of the day, you got to go based off of what your results are. If you're gonna, if you're doing a lot of 14 rep sets and you're seeing a lot more results than 18 rep sets, then uh, keep doing that, you know. Um, but what this is saying is just generally speaking, the way muscle fibers work, uh, 10 reps is where you're gonna peak your protein synthesis. Um, so if you want to base it off that and go for that go for straight sets and see how it works great but we're also talking about um, untrained subjects as well because when you talk about trained subjects they did do an analysis of trained subjects for higher volume and uh, hypertrophy with short rest intervals of less than two minutes and overall effect size was less for the trained subjects than for the untrained subjects because we're talking about people who aren't who don't go to the gym um you know people who don't typically train you're going to see better newbie gains which we've never mentioned before on the podcast, I don't believe, newbie gains out of those untrained subjects than out of trained subjects. Talk to anybody who's been training for years, your returns on training are going to drop off drastically. It's almost like like a 50% drop from the previous year. So your first year, you're going to gain the most amount of muscle you'll probably gain in any year, even on gear. You're just, because you're not training, and then if you, let's say you get to the gym, you have the perf, like you have a trainer, who knows what the hell they're talking about, knows what they're doing, and they get you on good sets that that your body responds to well, you're going to gain way more muscle 
in that first year than like any other year after that. Um, then when you get into anabolics, then you're going to have almost like another newbie year from that. But that's a whole nother topic of discussion. But as far as just natural training goes, your first year is going to be your best year. I defy anyone to prove me wrong. Your newbie gains are going to be much better than any following year after that. And a lot of people talk about, there's been studies done. It's like give or take 50% less each year following that first year. So let's say you gain 10. I gained my first year, I gained about nine pounds of muscle, which is a solid amount of muscle for one year. That was my newbie gains. Nine pounds of muscle that year. The next year, I'd probably gain about five maximum. I don't actually know how much I gained, but I know the first year I gained nine um, because of the uh, in-body analysis. Whether or not that's super accurate, I don't know, but it's in the ballpark of nine for skeletal muscle tissue uh, gains. So nine pounds of muscle gains for my first year. Um, the following years, I never measured, so I can't say exactly for me, but it's statistically been shown to be about 50% the previous year. So it just, it, it's diminishing returns after that first year. Um, talk to anybody who's been in it for a while. You're going to, they're going to say the exact same thing. Um, even with anabolics, the more, the more cycles of anabolics you take, the less results you're going to get from each set or each cycle. Um, so then going into, uh, overall sets per muscle per session, uh, it, the effect size peaks at six sets per muscle per session, which is actually very surprising. Um, but that's because we're also talking about long rest intervals here. So um, what I was talking about previously was sets per muscle session. So there was less effect size in trained subjects versus untrained subjects. Um, but it kept increasing. So with less interval, this is where hypertrophy comes into play. So hypertrophy builds the best with less intervals of, of rest. So this is why you shouldn't be resting any more than two minutes for, for hypertrophy. You're going to, it's imagine almost like a slight slope um, that goes steep at first, but then after like 10 sets, it kind of starts to level off a little bit and still slowly increasing. That's what the effect size graph looks like. Um, soon we're going to be posting, um, we're going to be creating a Twitter account soon for our, for this podcast. So we're going to be posting collateral that um, we we talk about. So we'll be posting graphs like this soon enough. Once we get the Twitter account up and running, we might talk about other social medias as well, but we're going to be focusing on Twitter. Um, so with that being said, it's a slight slope over time and it's going to keep increasing with less rest. But then when you're talking about long rest intervals, two plus minutes long after six sets, it actually starts to drop off. You actually start not gaining as much weight or sorry, as much muscle. Your overall effect size is going to be lower for yourself. Um, so that's why you see a lot of power lifters, Olympic lifters, stuff like that doing, you know, anywhere from like two to four reps or five to eight reps or whatever it is, but only doing like a few sets per muscle group. Let's say they're focusing on deadlifts one day. The most I think I've ever seen is like eight or nine sets for the day. Uh, and it obviously shows in the study. So on average, anywhere from what looks like five to seven sets was what's ideal uh, for muscle gaining with higher interval of rest. But you shouldn't be doing that. You're not gaining as much with, you know, as you are with less rest. Um, so this is where, this is why high volume is so is so talked about is because there are studies that support it. Um, but at the end of the day, to kind of go back to what I was saying before, at the end of the day, um, the results you're going to see are entirely dependent on your body. So yes, the statistics show that you should be gaining X amount of pounds over X amount of time. It's a good rule of thumb to follow high intensity or sorry, high volume is a good rule of thumb to follow, but also you don't need to necessarily follow it to a T. Uh, if you see that your body responds more to the same amount of sets, just heavier weight and less reps, and you genuinely see that difference in a period of time. And especially if you have a coach and your coach agrees with you, then keep that going. You know, um, for me, my shoulders, a lot of the time, I, I go through shock periods. I'm going through shock periods with my triceps or my shoulders right now where I'm doing a lot of reps and a lot of sets. 
but a lot of times it agrees with more weight and I've noticed a genuine difference. You know, I'll do four, I did like four months of very high rep, um, very high volume shoulder workouts. And then I go into like one month of high weight and like high intensity. And I'd seen a drastic difference in overall muscle size for myself just in one month. So for me, I know that that's how my shoulders respond well. And it doesn't respond that way to everybody. But I've talked to people who have agreed with me. They're like, yeah, I know exactly what it's like because I've done very high volume, just like everybody says to do. And I feel like my shoulders never changed. But then the second I got into more weight, did heavier uh, shoulder presses, did heavier laterals even, um, all of a sudden they start gaining weight so or gaining more muscle size. I know people like that. So I know that is out there. So you need to listen to your body. Um, you know, it, that's how it works for me. My, you know, uh, chest way more agrees with higher volume and just getting crazy amount of pl uh, blood pumping through. The second I start thinking about going for strength on chest, I start hurting my shoulders. Uh, my forearms start to hurt depending on how much flies I'm doing, um, whether I'm doing higher, you know, fly weight or anything like that. Um, I don't even know what my potential one rep max is for any of my chest movements. I fucking could care less or couldn't care less what my one rep max is on bench. I can't stand when people ask me that. What's your one rep max? Dude, I don't give a shit. I do not give a flying fuck what it is. Um, so that's just how my body responds well. Um, so you need to really listen to your body and really test different ways of lifting you know, whether that's, we've talked about this before, me and Christoph talked about this before. Um, I think it might've been the second episode we talked about this, cable machines versus machine, or cables versus machines versus free weight uh, versus almost like resistance. Just test out a little bit of everything and see what your body responds to the most. Uh, my triceps respond the best to cables. I love cables for my triceps, but then my biceps agree way more with free weight than really anything else. I don't really touch machine. I mean, I do touch machine for biceps, but they way more agree with like dumbbell curls and barbell curls and drag curls, stuff like that. Um, where some guys really like cable machine for their biceps. Uh, you know, whether that's cable curls or face pulls um, or uh, lying down cable curls in the machine, like whatever it is, just keep testing. But you need to also keep into account if you're intermediate or beginner in this, you're not going to see the same type of results if you're focusing. So what I'm trying to say is let's you need to be focusing on consistency. So consistency in beginners and inter, in kind of branching into inter, in intermediate lifters, you're going to see less consistency, you know, eating whatever they want or eating whatever they want on the weekend, stuff like that you need to be eating the same thing over and over again to really see the difference in training styles. You need to be consistent as possible. Uh, if you're going to be eating whatever you want, the differences that you're seeing, whether that's good or bad, might be because of whatever you're eating. If you're going through a week of, you know, maybe you're going through a breakup and you're kind of eating more shitty and you're starting to see um, more fat gain and more muscle size or more water size, more water gain and fat size, then you're going to see less muscle gain. You're going to be like, okay, this isn't working. But it's not the training that's not working. It's the food that's not working. So you need to cons stay consistent in food to really understand how your body works and really understand how your body responds to different things. Um, consistency is key. Consistency is key with everything. You need to also, at the same time, do whether that's high volume, high intensity, cables, free weights, whatever the hell it is, you need to do that for an extended period of time. You can't just do it for a week and all of a sudden be like, yeah, this is working better for me. Like a month, like I said, for my shoulders, that's like the bare minimum, in my opinion. Two weeks will start noticing a difference, but a month is like pl is plenty to know like, okay, this is how I looked before, this is how I looked after, but then this is how one month of this looked versus this month of this, you know, whether that's, let's say like for my shoulders, I looked at one, one month of gains for um, high volume. I'm like, okay, this is how much difference it looked, which is like a little different versus high intensity. Okay, I see a drastic difference in high intensity versus high volume over the span of one month. And I also feel the difference and can see it in the mirror. So clearly high intensity works more for me than high volume does. Not that I still don't do high volume. I still shock my shoulders with high volume days. Like maybe, you know, every two, you know, I'll do two weeks of high volume for shoulders, for instance, and then go back into like three months of high intensity. Um, just shock it every once in a while. But 
you need to stay consistent long enough to really start seeing the difference. All these studies that are done are done over long periods of time. We're not talking like a month difference or anything like that. Like a lot of these are span of like a year, two years, or even longer than that. I mean, to even know like how, how good one option is for weekly sets, that's a week like that alone, like to see the differences from week over week, over week, over week, you have to see how like a longer period of time in order to see that difference. I mean, for instance, they're talking about, um, like this is, this is the, the span of a year talking about weekly differences. So that's why they say the 2010 study, the 2016 study, because they need to put also enough time between each study to really know how good the results are because you can't be running the study for six years and try to get it out of that because times do change. So you need to give yourself plenty of time to see what your results are going to be. But at the end of the day, you need to focus. You need to have a good focus on what you're going for. If your biggest worry is strength and endurance, let's say you're like a football player, you're going to be focusing on strength and keeping that strength for as long as possible. So test out a good mix good mix of high volume, good mix of high intensity, focus on different movements, like focus a lot on your legs, focus a lot on your back um, and a lot on your chest to push the, you know, enemy players or the, the, uh, who you're playing against. Uh, but if you're focusing on hypertrophy for muscle gain, you just want to look in the good in the mirror, go with a high volume approach and then work from there. Uh, you know, you don't want to strip everything out and start everything fresh and be like, okay, this is working better. Do one muscle group at a time. If you're like, okay, my chest isn't gaining the way I want it to, let me go for higher volume on my chest. Keep everything else the same, but do your chest differently. Keep the food the same, everything else the same. Do your chest a little bit differently in the gym. Then you'll see, okay, my chest is actually gaining size now, even though I've kept everything else the same. So clearly this works better for me. And then move on to the next muscle group, then the next muscle group. Like you really start to see, like this is why it takes a few years to really start getting good in the gym is because you start to, you'll start to understand your body much, much better after a few years. And this is what we talked about in the first session, first ever episode for this podcast is social media is so fucking misleading. Like I'll be going through like YouTube shorts, right? And this guy will pop up and he'd be like, these are the top three splits that are most effective in the gym. And I almost question whether or not the dude's been in the gym. And it's like, you're not in the gym long enough to really give that advice and have all the confidence you want. That's great. I'm happy for you. Have the confidence to, to know what you're talking about. But at the same time, like you can base it off of studies, but also I'm not going to trust your anecdotal information because you've been in the gym for two months. You know what I mean? You need to know what you're, you need to know how your body responds to different things. And you know, a good example of that would be like Boston Lloyd. He was a good guinea pig for a lot of different ideas. Granted, he lost his life to it. Rest in peace, Boston Lloyd. But he was the guinea pig for a lot of different bro science ideas. And we got to see what the difference is between each one because of him. And he did a lot for the bodybuilding community. And I don't think that um, – I think a lot of what we know about anabolics within the community as far as anecdotal data goes is because of him um what was good with what what was bad with what you know um stuff like that so like you need to know from your own experience you need to be able to back it up from your own experience you know don't go into anything expecting to be an expert in two months there's a saying where um a beginner thinks they're an expert where an expert knows how much they don't know you know i don't know the exact quote but basically the more you know about something the less you realize you know about it you know, all these beginners in the gym will think they know everything. Oh, I read this, I read this, and I saw this, and this guy said this, and I think I know everything I need to know because it's kind of gener- this is covers the general aspect of everything. But then talk to somebody who's who you know talk to a, a bodybuilding coach, and they'll know that they need there's so much more to learn. There's so much to learn in this you know aspect of life, training, hypertrophy, powerlifting. This podcast, now I wouldn't say either of us are experts. Um, I would say I'm more advanced on the more advanced side and Christoph is in the intermediate side, but that's what makes us work together. Well, that's why him and I work so well in this podcast because we have different point of views on things. Um, so which is really unfortunate that he couldn't make it today. Um, but I'm sure he'll be back next week. Um, so, I mean, it's good to have this sort of conversations where we get to kind of bounce ideas off each other. Um, so, you know, it's hard to say anybody's really an expert on anything because there's so much to learn, but, at the end of the day, you need to listen to your body and 
respond to it that way. And I feel like that should be the quote from this fucking podcast is listen to your body. We say that so often, but it's so true. Um, with that being said, we're approaching an hour now. Um, I'm going to call it a day. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, and uh, stay tuned for next week's episode, episode eight. Uh, we'll see what we're talking about. We have a good idea. It's going to be exciting. Uh, Chris also is very excited about it, which is why it's disappointing he couldn't make today. But um, enjoy your guys' day. Train safe. Eat some good food and have a good one.